On this episode of Driven Too Far, we're talking about CDL training and what you need to know before you dive into the industry. Hello, I'm Andrew Winkler, and this is Driven Too Far, the truth about trucking, a podcast that helps over-the-road truck drivers balance career and family. Welcome back to this episode of Driven Too Far, the truth about trucking. Today, we're joined by Ed Lewis and Ryan Cook from Northeast Community College in Norfolk, Nebraska, and we're talking about CDL training. Well, guys, welcome to the podcast today. I appreciate you joining me here today. Uh, Today, we're talking about CDL schools, and you're from Norfolk, Nebraska, and you two are the instructors at Northeast Community College. Is that right? That's correct. Well, tell us a little bit. How does somebody interested in getting their CDL, how do they go about, where do they start with that process? First place is, you know, to usually get a CDL learner's permit, commercial learner's permit, um, Cisco, get the CDL manual from the DMV or one of us instructors and stay with that and they can usually call me or get a hold of me out give them some you know ryan and the instructors out there and we'll give them some ideas on how to study for the learner's permit so they actually have to take a, a small test for the learner's permit too is that kind of the written side of it i assume yes before they do that the general knowledge air brakes and combination okay yeah and how about uh i know cdl drivers obviously have to have a, a physical and stuff do they have to have anything like that before they get a permit uh, not not the permit no uh, eventually they will need to have their dot medical card okay um, but it is not required for the permit unless they categorize himself as a category a driver a driver that would want to leave the state or travel all 48 states okay then a medical card would be required how to get the K restriction removed from the learner's permit. Okay, gotcha. Usually coming through school, the K restriction will work for the school because we're usually gonna stay in state for the most part mm-hmm. and they can worry about getting the physical then at that point and get that removed. So once they've got the, the learner's permit, um, have they already enrolled with the school at that point or do they apply or how does all that work? I, yeah, I mean, ideally they get to us with a learner's permit. Um, as far as getting into the class, it's a matter of getting a hold of the admissions office, figuring out uh, what classes are open. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we're booked till April, maybe May, as far as our professional course goes. So, and then getting the right time slot that's going to fit their life. You know, sometimes they're um, working on working themselves out of their day job so they right. get into our day class, and that's kind of a big deal. I, I got to give them my two weeks, so I can't start this particular class so i need to look at this one or this one down the road in your particular uh school is it a six-week class am i remembering that right yes it's six weeks long so as a student if i'm interested in getting into this you know i'm probably already working the day job like you said and then uh uh, am i gonna have to go without pay you know without income for six weeks is that what most students kind of are up against yeah we do have uh the rare students that sign on with a company the company is basically a sponsor to them mm-hmm. and sometimes that company will agree to pay them an hourly rate while they're at class okay with the guarantee that they'll typically put in about a year with them after school okay um, but those are rare there are a lot of students that still try to work the weekends uh you know night shifts um part-time jobs anything they can do to try to keep some we had one, one student that was doing diner dash and in, in, in Omaha <laughs> at during night at night yeah, it's and there's homework to the class. They have to study, so it's not just to show up for class. There's homework we send home with them. We have them, there's there's study time outside the class they have to do. 
So do you think that whole idea where they've, you know, they don't have income for up to six weeks, does that really hamper uh, students actually getting into the program? Is it kind of a deal breaker for a lot of students once they kind of figure that out? I think it is, yeah. I mean, for a lot of them, they have young families, young children, mm-hmm. and and to go six weeks without a paycheck, I mean, I couldn't do it. I don't know if Ed or you could do it, but that's, that's kind of a, that is a big deal. Certainly. And so they, they hopefully they've got some of those kinks ironed out before they get to us. Um, a lot of students do save prior to getting to us, so they have a little bit of a nest egg to keep them afloat while they're there. Okay. Uh, I heard you mention that uh, in some cases, anyway, there's sponsorships available, uh, probably from trucking companies, I assume, or companies looking to hire uh, CDL drivers. How many of your students are actually sponsored when they come in, or at what point do they go out and you know kind of find that job? I would say we have very few that come in pre or sponsored. Okay. Um, throughout the six-week process, though, we're constantly trying to get them uh, to at least start the application process, even if they know that the company may not be a perfect fit. Uh, at least they've got their name in, in the hat. They've got the, the what I would consider like a pre-hire done. And so when, when the six weeks is up, um, after seeing the recruiters that we have come in, and, and then visiting other trucking companies, uh, they can make a, a good, honest decision on what direction they, they wanna go and then have it narrowed down. Okay, I've got A or B here. This is what I'm gonna go with. I can start orientation on Monday. That's, you know, we, and we work really hard on that during class for them to find the job during class and that way we're there. You know, ask us questions. Why is this a good fit for me? Why is this one not? That's good. I remember back in the day, uh, when I went through CDL school back in 1995, I'm not sure they did that. It was, it was almost like you you went through the school, then you worried about where you were going to go to work. Um, but I'm glad to hear that you guys are trying to educate them as you go through your own personal experiences of what to expect. So let's jump on that topic for just a minute. Uh, first of all, what what can a student expect the six weeks while they're in school? What does that look like? Oh boy, it can be pretty intense. Those first a couple weeks there's a lot of documentation a lot of paperwork that we do and like ed mentioned earlier the homework um sometimes it's overwhelming um after it seems like the towards the third week they kind of start settling into their routine Uh, a lot of guys come in thinking well we're just going to be at the truck all day and that that's not the case you know we've got uh quite a bit of classroom stuff that we do certain topics that we cover i think our textbook is about 35 chapters long all that has to be covered okay so there's a lot of stuff and it's not just at the trucks so it's not just hands-on stuff there's a theory part of it where they have to go back and understand the regulations probably right we we try to blend that pretty good too i mean second third day we're trying to get to the trucks you know part day so it's not boring classroom all day long we're right. getting them out there. You know, so if we start talking about, talking about breaks and you've never seen them before, we're wasting our breath. That's why we want to get them out to the trucks and show them this is what we're talking about and you know, blend the two together. Very good. I'm curious to what you guys have seen uh, over the years. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the success rates of students You know, as, as they come through your program and stuff. How many of them are actually uh, going out and getting jobs in the industry and then sticking with it? And if they're not, what kind of roadblocks are out there? What are they running into? Uh, I would say one of the biggest roadblocks for the students is they get out there and it's not what they thought. 
I think there's a, a misconception that it's the open road and it's this big, great, big, grand deal where I'm my own boss and and nothing to answer to. And and every day I'm going to see a brand new site, a brand and, new mountain or something. Yeah, right? and, 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 it, and it's not the case. And so, and that first first year is a pretty lonely year. You know, that's a huge lifestyle adjustment. And so you know a few months in this just isn't it and or they got with a company that just wasn't a good fit for them and then they pull themselves out sometimes they don't go back to trucking at all is there anything they could do to prepare themselves for that i mean how do you set them up for success and what could what could we do as you know industry professionals to help them i'm brutally honest with my students i mean this is what you've got to expect you know, it's not all sunshine and roses. Stop sugarcoating it. Right. right. Yeah. And it's, you've got to have your entire family on board. I mean, I know what it was like to be a young father, husband, and out on the road. It was part of, probably the hardest part of my whole career. A six-month-old daughter at home. And if mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. But you're a thousand miles away and you can't fix squat. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, and that was hard on me. Right, because as much as as much as I wanted to fix it, I'll see you when I see you. That's a, I'll call you tomorrow. That's about all I can tell you. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was I went over the road, met my wife. We came off the road for a while, and then I was going back back to driving, and that's when I moved her and my family back to her you know her hometown, so she was near her dad. Simply because you know if something goes wrong while I'm on the road, her dad's there to step in for me where it needed. So they've got to have a support system Absolutely. is what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, you know. It all depends on where you're at in your lifestyle too, you know. As for single guys like me, I was out seven weeks at a time. I loved it. For other guys, I, I see a lot more of the industry turning more towards the the family that, you know, gone one week home every weekend. Back when I was out there, we weren't home every weekend. Right. And I'm seeing that more and more now. I, and I think I went through that myself when, uh, you know, as a single guy, when I got my CDL and stuff, mm -hmm. always wanted to drive the trucks, right? Yeah. And get out there and, and see some great places. I ran the East Coast. I ran the Southeast and got to see some cool things I'd never seen before. Then you meet somebody, you know, somebody <laughs> comes into your life and th mm -hmm. things start to change. And it's really you get pulled in different directions because mm -hmm. you still love the road and your job. But uh, there's pressure to be home. And uh, that's kind of where uh, that was the point where I had to make a decision. Am I going to stay on the road or am I going to get off the road? And I was lucky enough to be able to stay in the industry that I love. So right. I know we've had students actually end up getting a divorce. I mean, that decision couldn't be hashed out between husband and wife or, or, or the family members and, and, and the, the whole family structure broke down. And so um, and then they come off the road to try to to fix it, fix it. And sometimes it's not fix fixable. Right. Yes. Sometimes they end up back yep. on the road. Sometimes they just end up uh, being more local, uh, spend time with their kids. I've seen that happen over the years, too, where the, the driver comes off the road to, to try to be with the family more um, and take the local jobs and stuff. Then it's an issue of probably not making the money right. the family was used to making. So mm. you just created a different issue, really. So. Yeah, and I know up there, you know, some of the companies I see too, you know, where you can either stay local or stay out. You now, to me, if I want to sleep, I was always staying out. You know, so I, I fortunately, you know, some of the companies you can be home and be gone at the same time, flip flop back and forth, you know, depending on which load you get. Yeah. So the local jobs, and that's something I've mm -hmm. seen too, is 
the local jobs themselves, you, you think that sounds great. Oh, I'm going to be home every night and sleep in my bed every night. Mm -hmm. But it's not that way necessarily, is it? No, by the time I, by the time I would get in off my run, I'd shut down, I'd grab my stuff. I still had to drive home, yep. see the family, have some supper, get a little bit of sleep, and I had to get back up, get ready, and get back to the truck. You know, maybe I was getting four, five, six hours of sleep out of my 10 hours off, but if I stayed out overnight, I'd get eight, nine hours of sleep. Because once I part, yeah. I was off, got my sleep, and good to go. So, yeah, there, there, there's a balance. There's a trade-off, definitely. That's one thing I always tell my students. You think a local job means all this glorious home time, uh, but it doesn't. You put in a you put in a 14, 16-hour day, you get home, you get a bite to eat, you shower, and you got to get your hind end to bed so you can start it all over again. And, and it, you don't start at eight, nine o'clock in the morning. You're starting at three, four, five o'clock in the morning. Right, so it's yeah. it's long days. That, yes, you get to sleep in your own bed, but it, the quality is not there. The home time that I think everybody thinks about, you know, dad's kicked back in the recliner, everybody's watching TV, and that's not the case. You know, they don't see you and you don't see them. And I remember walking into uh, CDL classrooms uh, when I was out trying to recruit and stuff. And you, I, I just asked the question: How many of you are looking for OTR jobs? And mm -hmm. it was very few that raised their hand. How many of you are going to try to stay local? It was the bulk of the class. Uh, but I think in their mind too, they still felt like they were going to make these big dollar signs and stay local. And the two just don't necessarily match up. I would say a local driver you're going to take about a $20,000 a year hit um, as compared to an over-the-road driver. Uh, you still are going to have a lot of those same expenses that an over-the-road driver does. You still got to eat and all that stuff during the day, but uh, the pay just isn't there. It has come up, um, but the, the pay just isn't there for the local gigs as it is for the even the regional or over-the-road. Yeah, and that's always been the trade-off in trucking was the home time for the dollars. It's which one do you want more? Yeah. That's one nice thing I like about truck driving. It's so diverse. You know, you know, once you get CDL, you get the experience. You can move back and forth to fit your lifestyle. Right. And that's where fitting yourself with a, a company that will allow that. You know, all right, you know, I got some stuff going on this week. I got some ball games or concerts I need to see at school. Um, I'm going to stay around here. Uh, but after that, just I want to be gone for a while and and having that flexibility within a company I think is is a huge seller to students uh, I'm not signing up to be gone for six to eight weeks at a time just to get two or three days off if I don't feel like going all that far or doing all that much I mean I can uh, cater more to what I've got going on at home and I think that's that's just a huge selling point to anybody you know you're not taking that leap of faith and diving into the deep end and not knowing when you're coming home you have more control over it and that's the way the industry is going is they're giving more freedom to the drivers if you do want home time we're going to get you there how critical is it for the students as they become professional drivers to find the right fit in a company? And then how do they go about finding that fit? One thing, ask other drivers, you know, figure out how much time, you know, talk to your your family around you. Say, how much time can I be gone? Um, you know, and understand, like I said, if, you know, like Ryan said, if you're at home, you're not gonna be, you know, home a lot. You're still home, you know, how much can I go? What do I want to do? Do I want to, you know, pull flatbed, which requires more work? Do I want to run reefer, drive in, dump right. box? Um, 
you know, that, that has a lot, you know, how much out in the weather do you want to be? And like I said, just simply going around asking the other drivers, research. Well, and I think that's good advice because I'm thinking, as you're talking, I'm thinking about if I'm a new driver, you know, how much can I trust recruiters in the industry? Because let's face it, their job is to bring you into the company. And I would hope they wouldn't, you know, falsely tell you a bunch of stuff on purpose just to get you through the door and make their numbers look good because ultimately you're probably just going to end up as a turnover figure for them, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I hope they're doing, I hope they're more, have more integrity than that. Um, but it's certainly a certainly an issue, I think. All right. And with Ed and I's varied backgrounds, you know, I was in ag most of my career, all my career. He did uh, Reaper and Tanker, and I've got some Tanker. But all of us instructors have a little niche area of the industry, and so we can we can select not select the student, but we can get okay. You don't want to go that way. You know, don't you, you want to go more this way based off of what you're telling me? This is more the path that you need to get down. And here's a few companies that I would look at, and 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 always do your research. Right. I mean, that's it's that's something that we stress to them. You got to do your research, talking to other drivers, getting on the internet. Uh, don't just take what the recruiter says. You you've got your due diligence to make sure that when you get out there, you can at least give that company one year. And that's you know, that's one thing with there's four of us instructors and that's one thing with us being diverse if they come and talk to any one of us they start talking we'll say hey you know if they're talking to me about ag i said go talk to ryan or terrell i you know i've seen it i don't know that's their expertise Absolutely. that's their background you know, they can give you, know, you better talk, guidance you want to talk to ltl go talk to chris he's done that you know referring yeah. over the road yes i've done that let's talk a little bit about a driver's first year in trucking what what should they expect um is that do you feel like that's probably the toughest year of their new career is that first year and what are they running into well first of all you're not going to make the money you're still getting you're still figuring things out i mean no matter how much that we do and we do a lot of trip planning and map reading where the students physically have to plan longer trips uh, but once you're out there you still have uh you still got to get out there and get your own feel for it, your own groove. And, and while you're doing that, you're not making as much money as, as maybe the recruiter promised you. And then there's that lifestyle shock. I don't care how much you think you want to live in that truck. Uh, it becomes a small coffin at times. And I think that really wears on them too. And just the loneliness. But that first year is definitely financially, mentally, the hardest year you're going to have and particularly i think the first few months yeah you, you know with with all new technology it's easier than when we were out there yes you yeah got, you got facetime you got you know you know internet phones and i yeah i suggest you know use all that all the above we we were back in the day when we stood in line at the truck stop to get into the phone <laughs> yeah, booth you know, did. and and they had these small little tiny phone booths you actually sat in and closed the door and you you mm-hmm. called collect home and, and you, that's you always you felt it. like you had to get off because there's yeah. like five other guys yeah. waiting for you waiting to call mom yep. yeah we walk in the restaurant and the phone at every table now to find a table yes it's empty they had the phone i wonder if there's any truck stops still out there that have those just for retro yeah. you know, purposes know. that's great i haven't seen one for a long time yeah but yeah what else about the first year what how do we how do we help prepare them i guess yeah, one thing don't get frustrated yeah you know, there, there's <laughs> i've been driving over 30 years there's days that they pay me way too much money to drive way too much there's other days they don't pay me near enough right and they just have to balance out you know there's days it's, it after a while 
love crossing Wyoming. After a while, it becomes a job. Yeah. But in the end, it's still worth it. Still love it. Yeah, keep an open mind. You know, mm-hmm. if you are with a trainer uh, for any amount of time, um, really pay attention. That mm-hmm. guy knows what he's doing. You know, I don't remember, I never went through a major city with a trainer. I would fly by the seat of my mm-hmm. pants, scared to death, which also adds uh, to that stress level that you have when you're out there. So pay attention when you're, when you're with those trainers. Um, have them take you through the mountains. Have them get you into those big inner cities. At least you've got somebody there to tell you, and you're not just going in blind. Yeah, I, I highly suggest, you know, if at all possible, the new driver should be going over the road for the first year. Yeah. Like Ryan said, get that trainer with you. You know, Go to New York, go to Chicago, go to L.A. You get that over-the-road experience, you're going to be a better driver overall. In my day, I think I always thought of how it worked was you put in your time over the road. That's where you kind of – and then the better jobs in the industry were maybe some of the LTL, the dedicated, the home every night type things and stuff. But you had to put in your time in the industry before you would even be looked at for some of those other jobs. Do you think the students coming through today have a misconception of that? And do they think they're just going to go – Straight to the top, straight to the best jobs. Yes, and I hear a lot. I want to go local so I can figure out. I, I, I want to learn how to do it just around the local city, around Norfolk, and then I'll go over the road. They never make it, do they? No. They never go no, over the road. You know, that, that's a backwards way of thinking. Yeah. And they don't realize that. Yeah. And some companies, you know, it, they may require the one to two years over the road. Well, you've spent five years, ten years as a local driver. It don't count. Yeah, it doesn't count. We, we don't want you. We want somebody that's actually been out there. And I always tell them, you go get that year in, you, you, you hunker down, you get her done, and then all these other doors are going to open for you. Endless possibilities will open yes. up for you. But you have to make that sacrifice. As bad as it is, you still have to make that sacrifice. It's going to be better for you in the long run. How important is it for them to find the right fit and then stick with that first job? Companies don't like job job uh, job yeah. hunters. They don't yeah. like that. No, but I think one recruiter told me two thousand to maybe five thousand dollars to put a new driver through a training process. Oh yeah, I would say in our case it's probably closer to uh, six to eight thousand. And that's a that's a lot of money. And 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 in a lot of companies they do look at that. They do look at at your your past driving if you've had six jobs in a year are they going to invest that money into you probably not at, you know, at the same time they, they do understand your new driver maybe your first choice wasn't the best right so you know one job okay yes but then you still got to get down there you got to stay with it though kind of got sucked in by a real right. slick recruiter or you know the bright mm-hmm. shiny stuff we call it that, that yeah. they think they want but yeah you're absolutely right and that's what we try to okay i know it looks good but I don't think you want to go down that path. These guys maybe not offering quite as much money, but I think that company is a little bit better fit for you. You got to you can't just look at the dollar signs right now. You've got to look at what the year's going to be like mm-hmm. to get to that, um, and and understand that the dollars are not always going to be there like they say. But if you hate what you do and you're still not making money, are you going to keep working there? No, you're going to go over here where the grass is greener. Yes. And I'll say this to you. There's some months I've made a lot of money. There's a lot of months I didn't make it very much money. 
So when I was asking recruiters and all that, how much will I make in the year? Because I understand, you know, January, February, March, we're not making much. It does slow down yeah, in the exactly. industry. Yes, it does. And we have to understand that, that it's going to slow down. So what am I going to make over overall throughout the whole year? Because we're going to have the ups and downs. Yeah, and that's that's a good question for recruiters. Hey, are we busy year round? Is it going to be just my paycheck's going to just tank for a couple months, or do we have, or, or is this a reputable enough company where the work never drops off? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and a lot of times recruiters touch on that, but that's something that um, I, we try to, to to point out to students. You know, hey, these guys are 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 doing this. They're probably not going to have too many too many uh, low areas as far as loads are concerned mm-hmm. throughout the year, which is better for you. If there's work to do, you're always going to have a good paycheck. How about the, you think about the students, are they scared about holidays and important events coming up? And is that one of the reasons maybe they try to stay local so they don't miss some of the family events or? Yes. Yes and no. Is it so, in the back of their mind? Sometimes. Sometimes they aren't even thinking about it. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you from experience, you know, I was running local, you know, and they still, you know, regulations say we can run 14 hours in a day. So most employers expect us, they want to get the most of us out of us. So 14 hours a day, and I come home, I've got a couple holiday, you know, holiday cart concerts. My kids were young, so two, three of them in a week. Now I'm down to how many hours of sleep am I getting? Yeah, I'm staying local, but I'm running, I'm running low. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that I think they think more about home time and what they're going to miss for the kids. I don't know that it a hundred percent sinks in that you're going to be long, long ways away on Christmas morning, and you probably don't realize just how lonely that part's going to be. You're sitting at a truck stop with hundreds of other drivers, and 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 you're going in and paying for whatever meal and you, knowing that your kids are back home opening gifts and the family's it's all the together. guilt man the guilt's a killer oh for yeah sure. kind of what i did too i, I picked which holidays i was going to be home you know because i know that not everybody can be home for every holiday i said okay i, I went to dispatch and i said these are the holidays i want to be home the rest of them i'll be out Just work me you know let let someone else go home let i'll work let's trade off I talk to talk about this with veteran guys as well, but you can't underestimate the power of that relationship with your dispatch or your operations team and the mm-hmm. communication. Uh, and, and you don't have to wait to be a veteran or senior driver to start that. You start building that relationship right away, and things are going to go so much better for you. Yeah, I've been, I've been on both sides. I've been dispatcher, I've been manager, I've been driver. And there's times the dispatcher's handed 20 loads. These all have to move. Yes. There's two or three of them here that are just the rotten loads. They still got to move. And I had good enough relationship with dispatch. I said, if you got those, you got them. But you better tell me up front that that's what it is. And I'd take, I'd take the rotten loads and then just get, make, make sure I get a good one. I think that's the key to the communication. And I've preached that for a long time with all drivers was the better relationship and the sooner you start to communicate with your dispatcher, the better chance you have to stay away from those rotten loads because you know what if you're a good communicator they're going to give it to you they're going to yeah. they know they can count on you and you're going to take it and and sometimes what they call a rotten load i looked at it and went well, that's nothing oh please give that one to yeah. me you know yeah it, like I said, if, if i knew up front i could deal with it yes i know some drivers in the past nope not doing it not gonna mm-hmm. do it you already did that to me once i'm absolutely not gonna do it well i was kind of the other side of it if i if i do this 
maybe then when I want something, yep. maybe I'll get get a little bit of a favor or kickback. Put a favor in the bank. Right. Sure. I had a good enough relationship with my dispatchers. I, I actually, um, I got yelled at. I got, I got chewed out for missing my kid's Christmas concert because the load had to go. I said, it's got to go, it's got to go. I'll, I called home. My family's fine with it. I said, yeah, we get it. And I took off. Well... One of my other buddies found out he was at the same concert that I was supposed to be at, and he snitched on me, and I got yelled at. And he said, "No, that that load didn't have to go." I said, "No, the load had to go." But I had that relationship with him that, you know, when I needed something, I was home. I think we did uh, a really good job of kind of laying out the expectations and and what it might look like. But let's talk a little bit about how do we make them successful? What what does that look like? Oh boy! I mean, you can lead a horse to water, uh, but you can't make it drink. And and I don't think I don't think sometimes students fully understand that it's a p- performance-driven pay. Mm-hmm. The harder you work, the more you're going to make. These dollar figures that they're shooting at you doesn't come from the guy that stops at every truck stop, takes a three-hour nap every afternoon. These are guys that are out there and they're go-getters. They're yes. self-driven. Um, and I think that's an eye opener to some of them. You know, you got to get out. You got to be very disciplined out there. No one's going to call and give you that wake up call and say it's time to go to work, son. You've got to do that yourself. You've got to be responsible um, if you want that kind of pay. Yeah, and my dad raised me. He says, "Work first, worry about the pay later." Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're working for a good company and you do an honest day's work, they're going to take care of you. They will absolutely. absolutely. Yep. Yeah, they will. You know, that's the biggest thing. People get hung up on that dollar sign. Well, this load here doesn't pay well. Well, that one there doesn't. I was like, take care of the work first, right? And I've, it will fall together. I've always, uh, as long as I've been in trucking, I've I've always seen this. But you know, the guys that are nitpicky about what they will and won't do, they they kind of back themselves into a corner mm-hmm. where they're limiting themselves and limiting their own income. But it's always been the drivers that just roll with it, uh, have a great relationship with their dispatcher, and just you put me on whatever you need me on, we'll make it work. Those are the guys that make the most money. They do. Right? I'm just telling really you, do. that's how Back it works. to that, you know, taking that that crappy load. Um, I've I've heard horror stories from dispatchers. I didn't even call him because every time I call him, he either complains about what I'm giving him or just outright refuses it. But every time I call you, it's a pleasant interaction, and 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 I enjoy talking to you. Well, guess what? I just got money for a load that that guy didn't get just because he doesn't know how to do his job he was leaving it on the table right yep got in his own way yeah so do you guys ever have uh like students tell me about a time when you had students that have gone through your program went out into the trucking world come back any kind of success stories or anything you can and share and if what made them successful we've got several uh drivers out there now that are owner operators um and i think that's one aspect uh, of of a success story to me. We also have a student that's now a driver um, driver manager. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and and he started out as a student for us. He did a really good job for the company that he was with, and now he's got an office job, and he moved up. And to me, that's really the true idea of success. I started at the bottom, 
I started out as a student driver, and yep. now I'm up here. Yep. I, you don't know anything about that, do you? <laughs> I might know a little <laughs> about that. But you're right. I think so many people think about, oh, if I get into, if I get my CDL, you know, I'm always going to be a driver. There's so many opportunities in transportation logistics. You can go anywhere, and that experience you had as a driver will serve you the rest mm -hmm. of your career. And some people just love being a driver. Yeah, absolutely. I got I got a gal, she came through my class over 12 years ago. I see her once in a while come through town. Always a smile on her face. Still, Still loving it. Absolutely loving that's it. That's fantastic. Yeah. And that's one thing that I always make sure that my students get with the company that you have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know just yet do I want to be a driver 20 years from now? Do I want to still be doing this even five years from now? But if you get with a company that you know you could possibly move into other roles, yes. uh, that keeps your whole future open, and you're still with that, that same company. We don't have to jo job hop. Yeah. Yeah, so who knows what's going to happen 20 years from now. But you're in a good company. Might look a lot different, huh? Yeah. Absolutely. Think about how much it's changed in the last yeah. 20 or 30 oh, years yeah. from those uh, – Payphone boost and everything yeah. else to where we're at now. So I'm sure it'll keep keep moving forward. So I know one of the things uh, that happens when uh, new entrants come into the industry and stuff, uh, got to remember that we are federally mandated when mm -hmm. it comes to drug and alcohol screening and stuff like that. Uh, I'm curious with, you know, how like marijuana, for instance, uh, is at the state level. Have you seen any issues there? Because as in trucking, we're still federal, at the federal level with that stuff. We have. Oh, yeah. Um, unfortunately. Um, unfortunately, one we touch on this real close to the CBD oil. Okay. And some of, unfortunately, some of the CBD oil is not refined well enough. And we have had a few drivers come through that were on that and have had, fail, had failed drug tests. You know, so before they come to our program, they have to get their learner's permit. And then before we land behind the wheel, they have to have a... DOT, FMCSA, drug screen, gun. And I've had them fail on that one for a number of reasons. That, that, and that's usually by the one. Or sometimes it's a one party. <laughs> that one party. Oh, yeah. We, you know? We've all heard that excuse. But uh, I think the bottom line is if, if you're into that kind of lifestyle, yes. transportation probably isn't, no. probably isn't for you. So no. be aware. You know, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, I mean, your life depends on that CDL and your ability to drive. This is now your career, and you've got to protect it. You've got to guard it. And a great time on a Saturday night really doesn't do you any good if you could lose your license for a year right. or, or lose your job. It's it's now how you support your kids and your you know, your spouse and things like that. So uh, you really got to think differently once you start making your living with that CDL right. and just. It's, there's nothing wrong with going out and having a good time. Just make sure somebody else is driving home, right? Right. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Driven Too Far, The Truth About Trucking. If you've enjoyed our episode so far, don't forget to give us a like and a five-star review. 